1: Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.
0: You are listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast, episode 69.
1: You are listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast with Dr. Abby Medcalf. Change your
0: relationship even if your partner won't do a thing. Hello, how are you? I mean, really, how are you? Check in, have a moment right now. Just drop into your center for just a second and see how you're feeling. Are you feeling open and excited to hear whatever information I got coming at you today? Are you feeling, I don't know, hungry? Are you tired? Are you lonely? What do you got going on? Are you excited? <laughs> just, just check in because it's a good thing to do and to practice as often as possible. So, I'm your host, Dr. Abby Metcalf. If you don't know already, you can just call me Abby. As I always say, I only make my mother call me doctor. Uh, and I'm speaking of my new microphone, my old microphone, my Rode podcaster that I've had for literally, I think, 20 years or close to it, maybe 18 years, finally died. And I needed to get a new mic. So, and I set it all up. And I want to give a special shout out to my f- friend Tess's husband, Steve, who works over at Pandora, God bless him, and knows sound, and came over, and you know, just really helped me <laughs> figure out what mic I needed, what the pieces were, uh, and all that, he was so great. And so, special shout out to Steve, everyone give him love today, send some love. But uh, yeah, I went and bought the new stuff, and I set it up all by myself, I was so proud. I only had to watch about 30 YouTube videos to figure out <laughs> how to get everything to work, but it does. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, shoot me an email maybe and let me know if you think the sound is a lot better because I was thinking it is, but there you go. And I look very official. I'll have to send a photo out. Maybe I'll put it up on the, on the site. Not maybe. I'll do that. I'll put it up on the show notes, a little photo of myself with my new setup because I look pretty professional. I just want to tell you right now. Okay. Enough gabbing. So it's time to up your communication game. That's what we're about. I started my Back to Basics series in September. So if you haven't been listening, um, you, you need to. Come on. It's so great. And I've been doing these deep dives each month on one topic that I break down week to week. So I did that all of September, all of October, and all of November. And in September... I tackled competition, so I showed you all the ways that competition is undermining your relationship and your ability to connect. And then, uh, and I had my TEDx in uh, September, all about competition. You know, the real reason relationships fail. So I go deep, deep in there, uh, and that was a really important, great month. And then October was all about self awareness. So, and mindfulness, because, you know, this is what I teach all the time. I can teach you all the greatest tools in the world, but they're not going to help you if you don't remember to use them or if you have zero insight. So really getting down and dirty with self-awareness and mindfulness, key, 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 key to having a great relationship, any great relationship. And now we're up to communication. And and I'll tell you why is this the third month of back to basics? So most people assume that communication is the biggest problem in their relationship, but I didn't start with those strategies for a very specific reason. And that is because communication is not the biggest issue in your relationship. And again, it's this competition, you know, it's your turn to put away the dishes. I took Sally to baseball practice on Monday. It's your turn to take Johnny on Friday whatever. Uh you know you went out with your friends uh last week and now I'm going to go out with mine. You spent money on this so I can spend money on that. We do all of this competition and that's really the cancer eating at the corners the foundations of your relationship any of them by the way. I see it at work all the time too. If you're competing with members of your team, that's a problem. You can't have creativity really deep, amazing creativity when you feel in competition with all the people around you and when they're actively trying to undermine you, it's, it's not going to happen. So we really had to go deep with that. Then we talk, as I mentioned, we talked about self-awareness and mindfulness, because again, I can teach you all the great tools, but you won't remember to use them. And if you don't have insight about what the real issues are, you're not gonna be able to communicate anyway. So when you have those two building blocks, then you can really use communication tools well. And I promise this is why you've failed at communication previously. You've you've this is not the first podcast you've listened to about communication. <laughs> I, I've had other <laughs> podcasts on communication and you've tried strategies and maybe they've worked or they've worked short term. They don't work long term often because of these reasons. And so this month, November is deep dive, my friends. We are going there all about communication on every friggin' level. We're going to hit unconscious, conscious, body language, thoughts. (laughs) You're going to hit your language itself, all of it. So this is the topic you've been waiting for. And it couldn't have come at a better time, let's face it, as we gear up for the holiday season here in the United States, otherwise known as the busy season for therapists. This is our busiest time of year coming up. Uh, improving your communication skills, that needs to be on top of your list. If you're looking to have a calm, serene, happy, and fulfilled holiday season with friends and family, you got to get up your communication game. And that's what we're going to focus on. about. What is communication? If we're gonna talk about it, I wanna make sure we're on the same page first, really clear here, because I hear all kinds of stuff about what it is, and that's one of the reasons you don't do it well. So at its very core, at its base base core, communication is about receiving information. That's what it's about. So if you're the sender of this information, i.e., you know, the one talking. You want whatever you're saying to be heard, understood, or received on the other side. If you're the recipient, you know, you're the one who's listening to someone else talking or giving information to you in some way, then the same applies. You want to understand the information, thereby receiving it, right? Receiving it. Talking at someone isn't sending the information you want. If you've ever t- <laughs> talked to your, <laughs> I was talking to my daughter the other day and I realized her little eyes were rolling up in her head. She wasn't listening to me. Uh, the information was not getting received. You know, if you uh need your partner to pick up, you know, butter uh later when he goes to the store, which he's already promised to do, but he's watching the game right now and you yelling, Hey, will you pick up butter? You know, your information's not received. <laughs> he's not going to remember. Or if he does, you know, it's not going to, you know, it's going to be that salted butter. He's not going to realize you use unsalted, whatever. Um, do you guys have that problem too? Okay. So, uh, do you know what I'm saying though? Like the information has to get received. Again, I could be up here chit chatting away and it isn't that nice to hear my own voice. But, but if you guys aren't, receiving it, if you're not understanding what I'm saying, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> I'm just talking to talk. So I really want you to think of that all the time. And the other person, it, what happens sometimes is that uh, other people, there's they're not listening or they're dismissing so much of what you're saying or they're discounting it. And it's really you know, frustrating on your end, right? It's like, why aren't they listening to me? Why aren't you know, because again, they're not receiving it, but that's on you for how you're putting out the information, when, how, and all that. And really there's three major factors that make up how something is received and, you know, how you're communicating. And so one is your, you know, your body language. And we'll spend a little time on that in a few weeks. I'm gonna cover body language with in some depth. Um, but the biggies are your actual language you use okay the actual words that are coming out of your mouth and most importantly most importantly your underlying unconscious motivations what you're communicating unconsciously it's getting picked up on. And today I'm going to speak about that most important thing. What's happening in your unconscious. And in the next few weeks then like I said I'll be covering the actual language you use and body language and all that. But I'm going to I'm starting with your unconscious because once you have this down, the rest will feel like a cakewalk and will follow way more naturally. And again, this is one of those building blocks I've noticed before it's really missing. So you can communicate and you can have all the best tools and do it all the right way and say it and do it and da da. but it doesn't get received. And this is the reason why. And I'm going to help you fix it today. Okay. And I'm going to, I have a great, I'm so excited actually about um, what I have at the end of this today, (laughs) at the end of the podcast to help you really get this dialed in. So uh, I'm just throwing that out there that I'm really excited. So is it my subconscious or my unconscious? Okay, so <laughs> first things first, which term is correct? Subconscious or unconscious? You've heard them both. I know you have. And I get asked this a lot. What's the difference? You know, or do you mean this? And you're saying that. The short answer is there isn't a difference in the therapy world between your subconscious and your unconscious. But so it depends on who you're speaking to. So if you're speaking to those of us who do counseling, you know, uh, master's level therapists, that's, you know, your MFTs, your MSWs, your, uh, then there's like, you know, psychologists, psychiatrists, any of us really who do counseling or therapy, we use the term unconscious. Generally, that's the term, but If you're speaking to like any old person on the street, they would likely tell you that, you know, unconscious means passed out, (laughs) right? So in other words, those of us in the mental health professions would use the term unconscious as a noun. We'd say like, oh, that guy is ruled by his unconscious. He doesn't understand why he's acting that way. But someone else, you know, in, in the real world, so to speak, in the regular world, we use it as an adjective that guy is is unconscious. He he got knocked out. He got hit by a baseball really hard. You know, he he got knocked unconscious, something like that. So when you use the term unconscious mind, you know most people think of Freud and psychoanalysis, right? You think of Freud, and uh, he he's the one who really made that famous. Now, for the record, the idea that there were feeling, thoughts, memories, and stuff outside of our conscious awareness that predates Freud. That's that's at least hundreds, maybe thousands, I don't know, of years before Freud, probably thousands actually. But no one before Freud had, theorized that these hidden thoughts and memories that they got repressed, that was his big thing, remember, and made unconscious. And this is what, to him, his whole theory was that that's what made us mentally ill. those That's what created our, all of our illnesses, physical ones too, actually, but he talked obviously about mental illness. So- Freud used the terms subconscious and unconscious pretty interchangeably initially, uh, if you look at his early work, probably because the words are almost identical in German, and uh, I'm not going to even pretend to pronounce these. If you want to see what the words are, you can go to the website, abbymedcalf.com forward slash podcast. This is episode 69, and in the show notes, uh, I'll have what the German words are, and you'll see that they're really close. Okay. But I'm not going to pretend to pronounce them now. (laughs) But ultimately, in the end, he used one word: unconscious. And so, and that's I think why um, all of us in in the psychology field tend to use the unconscious. That's why we tend to say that. So, in general, in psychological, you know, professions, neuroscience too, for sure. All that literature you'll see the word unconscious is used and the word subconscious generally shows up in what's considered you know the lay literature you know people who aren't necessarily trained as therapists but you know definitely have might have amazing things to say uh but would usually use the word subconscious and i have to say i use the terms pretty interchangeably because a lot of times people the uncon the unconscious, they they think I'm talking about something different. And the, the term subconscious has become uh more popular in the last 10, 15 years. And so I do use them interchangeably. So that's me, just so you know. So if you hear either one, same thing to me. Uh, one of my favorite books of all time, I think I talked about it in a previous podcast, and I will link to it in the show notes. It's called Strangers to Ourselves, Discovering the Adaptive Unconscious. I know that sounds like a sexy read, doesn't it? <laughs> it's by Timothy Wilson, um, a famous researcher who I think I, t- yeah, I'm sure I did actually, because I um, talked about in the self-awareness podcast, uh, we, we talked about him and the work he did with uh, Nisbet and uh, the pantyhose. So if you haven't seen that, heard that, listened to that yet, uh, I'll link to it in the show notes. You can go back and check it out. Why do you care so much about the unconscious or the subconscious or whatever? (laughs) Why do you keep talking about it? Well, I care so much about it, about your unconscious, because it's the base of all your communications, really. It's so intertwined with your difficulty being heard and communicating or hearing information it is just something that's so important. And yet we don't talk about it much. I don't know why, but, uh, I think because people think of psychoanalysis and Freud, Freudianism and all this other stuff. And it it's, it's so complex and it sounds so ridiculous in a lot of ways these days. Um, and I am not a psychoanalyst and I don't even particularly love Freud. Um, so, uh, <laughs> his work, um, I like some, but, uh, so I'm not talking about any of that, but I do think because those words are so kind of synonymous with his work that that's why people don't always talk about it. But I care so much because again, it's the base of everything. And the most, so the most common scenario is this, and this is the reason, and I've talked about this before, I'm going to repeat it again. So bear with me. But if you're learning some great tool for me. So so I teach something in a podcast and you go, Oh, that is brilliant. Your conscious mind says, of course it's brilliant. I said it now. Your conscious mind is thinking, well, that makes sense what Abby just said, these three steps to this, or these, you know, these, these are the five reasons why, you know, I'm having trouble with whatever. So you're thinking that consciously. It makes sense, it's backed by research. Uh, It has a great success rate, you know, when it's used and, you know, it seems smart. It makes sense. I, I get it, right? So that's what your conscious brain is doing. But your unconscious is thinking, you know, these tools never work for me. I get that other people get something out of them, but, you know, insert your bad reasoning here, you know, other people get something out of them, but I'm different, but my problem's been going on longer. But things really can't change because my partner refuses to do anything. That kind of thing. It's the same thing if you, let's say, are trying to lose weight and you read a diet book. You know, you'll read it and go, that makes sense. That's smart. I get it. Oh yeah, this is pretty straightforward. This is the way. That's what your conscious mind is doing. Your unconscious mind is like, "We have tried 100 friggin' diets. None of them ever work. We're going to stick to this for two, for maybe 10 days and then we're going to fall off and then we're going to gain more weight than we, you know, lost and blah blah blah." And all of this starts to happen. You know, I'm never going to take off this weight. I've been trying for years. That is what's driving you. So all of this unconscious stuff so so you use the tool you start the diet you use the great tool that abby taught you here on the podcast or wherever but nothing changes or or actually what usually happens is it changes briefly but then it goes back to the way it was and the real reason it doesn't work is because your conscious brain is thinking the right things but your unconscious brain isn't so in the case of like the podcast your partner is picking up way more from your unconscious. Remember, I say it once, I say it a million times, your conscious, your brain, your brain processes 11 million bits of information per second all through your five senses. It, that's how much it processes. But only 40 to 50 bits of that are with your conscious brain. I used to always say 50 bits, but actually I went back and looked in uh, the book where I got this from. Which is the book I just mentioned, "Strangers to Ourselves," and he says forty bits max. How do you like that? Um, so now I say forty to fifty. But so here's this eleven million bits per second coming in, and your conscious brain is only fielding forty to fifty bits of that. That is nothing. Your partner is picking up on all that unconscious intention. The other ten million nine hundred ninety what a thousand right bits. <laughs> That's what they're picking up on, and. They So they don't make any changes. They see you with the tool and the thing. And again, they're on their end going, yeah, let's see all on this loss, you know, or they just, they pick up on that funny thing you have and then they don't change. And you go, see, I knew this wouldn't work. And you stop using the tool. You basically prove yourself right, even though your conscious brain was thinking it should and could work because your unconscious was so clear it wouldn't, it didn't. And because that's what gets picked up on by those around you. It happens at work. It happens with your family, friends, your partner, everybody. And I say it a lot. I'll say it again people don't hear what you say, they hear what you mean. That is what's happening. And then they act accordingly. That's what's going on. So you've absolutely, absolutely, I'm begging you, got to align what you're thinking and what you're feeling. Or your communication isn't going to be as effective as you want, or it's not going to be effective at all. So to line up your conscious and unconscious motivations, there's basically three things you can do. You know me, I'm always breaking it down into very actionable steps. So here you go. And again, I have a really great thing. Um... That we're gonna talk about at the very end, this little challenge I'm gonna give you to help you do this. So it's gonna be so good. I'm so excited. Okay. So (laughs) look at me with my cliffhangers, but you have to but you have to listen to the end. So if you wanna start communicating effectively, here's your three-step process. Okay, here's what you're gonna do, and they kind of lead into each other. So step number one is you're gonna come from love, not fear. I talk about this a lot, you've heard it in other podcasts. In my experience, the number one culprit for poor communication overall is your conscious or your unconscious fear. And your fear shows up with a number of feelings and behaviors. So you'll, you know, your anxiety, jealousy, worry, I, I'm worried that, I'm concerned that, feelings of helplessness or hopelessness, rage, overwhelm, mm-hmm. resentment all of these feelings leave you wanting to control if you're me you're controlling it leave you wanting to lash out or punish or withdraw you know run away and, and leave it that's what happens and your partner picks up on your fear and that's what they're reacting to if you take care of the fear first the conversation will absolutely blossom uh, that's what happens and again you don't I talk a lot about uh, in previous podcasts about the amygdala, you know, your fear brain versus your other brain. And again, I'll I'll link to that in the show notes. I I don't want to go deep here. The podcast will go too long and I, you know, it becomes too much. But if you want to hear about how, about your lizard brain, uh, absolutely, I'll link a link to that podcast in the show notes. So abbymedcalf.com forward slash podcast, episode 69, and we'll hook you up there. Love, not fear. And the love-based emotions, of course, are compassion and openness and willingness and kindness, gentleness, love, laughter, humor, thoughtfulness, patience, right? That's all those. Yeah, uh, <laughs> not any of the fear-based ones. So... Uh, Then, and this goes easily into step two. So how do you do that, right? Well, that's nice, Abby. How do I come from all these lovely love-based emotions? Well, first things first, there's some questions. You need to ask yourself some questions. That's step two. Step two is ask yourself some questions. That will get you there. And it's pretty simple. So the questions you want to ask yourself before you do anything else. You know, once you're clear about your answers, you'll be able to have a more fruitful conversation. Okay. So you want to start with these questions. And the first one is, What am I feeling right now? Notice I started the podcast with this. Uh, I did that on purpose. I know I'm so sneaky. Um, just to get you to realize how much you're kind of on autopilot. You're like, Oh, I'm going to listen to the podcast. I'm checking in. I'm listening. It, we don't check in enough with ourselves and how we're feeling. And if you're, let's say, um, and I'll tell you, this is so true of my man. My man, when he gets hungry, he he's. Gary is the most even keeled guy. I, I'm 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 a lucky, lucky gal. He is just a happy, I always compare him to Golden Retriever. You know, he's that happy guy. He wants to be happy. He wants to be positive. It's just, it's just kind of how he's built. And when he's hungry, he gets a little cranky. He does. And he, he tends to, um, he's not Jewish. So (laughs) I use that as a caveat because I don't think we Jews ever forget to eat, but he forgets to eat. He'll go all day and he'll, you know, just, he'll work out, he'll do all this stuff. And he really hasn't eaten much or he hasn't eaten enough. And he starts to, you know, your emotions start to crash. And he, he's not great at noticing this. (laughs) He's really not. Um, I say with love, I love you, babe. Um, and you, my kids do this, you know, they don't do it so much anymore. When they were young, they used to do it a lot. Do You ever have that? You know, if you have a kid and they start all of a sudden, they're kind of whiny and they're whatever, and you realize they're, they're thirsty or they're hungry. So this is like a common thing that we don't check in and go, oh, I'm actually a little thirsty. Wow. Yeah. I'm a little dry. Or, well, I feel anxious. Why am I anxious? Huh? I, yeah. My heart, you know, I'm kind of feeling a little tight in my chest. I'm feeling a little anxiety. Or, well, I feel really content right now or at peace, whatever you feel, what am I feeling right now is your first thing. But when you're in a, uh, uh, some kind of conversation with your partner, that's when it's so important, right? So here you are, you're trying to communicate something and they're not listening because obviously you're not, or they're not receiving. See, we say that they're not listening, they're not receiving. And that's, I, again, I feel like that's on you. That's not always on them. Uh your job is to be communicated in a way that they can hear. So what am I feeling right now is a great place to start because you might notice that actually you're feeling really anxious and that's what your partner is picking up on. They're picking up on your anxiety. (laughs) And that's why they're reacting in that way. So...
1: Hold up. What was that?
0: The next question I want you to ask yourself is, what's my motivation to have this conversation or to give the feedback or whatever you're doing? What's your motivation? Are you pissed and want to take it out on your partner for making, quote unquote, making you feel that way? Are you trying to control your partner or a situation? Are you like, what is your motivation? And I'll notice sometimes that my motivation is actually, uh, I'll say to myself, like, let's say I'm... Kind of rushing the kids out the door or something, and I check in with myself, and I realize I'm feeling a little anxious. So it's like, yeah, but you know, we got to get to school. They got to get in there, and you know, my moti- And I think that my motivation, if I just took the top thing, is oh, my motivation is to get them to school on time. They need to get to school on time. Uh, and there's all kinds of things though attached to that, right? So there's all kinds of things attached to you know, is it because. I don't want to look bad like a bad parent that I don't get my kid to school on time. Is it because I feel guilty that I didn't get them up early enough so that now we're rushing? Is it that I didn't draw boundaries during the morning for them, you know, to stick to so that we could really be out the door on time? You know, what what is that that I'm feeling and why? You know, where is that from? Cuz a lot of times I've noticed that I'm rushing or, you know, on something and I don't need to be. Yeah, getting to school on time is one thing, but there's a lot of things sometimes like to practice or something. I'm thinking, why am I so anxious about this? Like, yeah, it's important to be to practice. Absolutely. Uh, you made a commitment to this thing. You should be there on time. You know, I I just, I have a lot of stuff about time and wasting people's time. I, I find it really rude, um, for myself. And so I generally am five to 10 minutes early to anything. People who know me know I'm just, I'm always, I'm pretty much always early. Um, and being five minutes early is almost late to me. You know, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm that person because I get anxious around. But again, some of that motivation is because of how people would view me, my own views of myself. It's not necessarily a healthy motivation behind it all. So I just want to say that. So asking these questions helps. Then what's my end game with this conversation? So what are you hoping to get out of having this conversation? If you've had the conversation before, by the way, it means whatever you're saying isn't working. Are you just wanting to bitch or complain? You know, if you keep asking, you know, the classic to take the socks from the floor, but you've asked over and over and over, then there's a problem. It's not working. So you have to figure out something else to do there. But what's your end game? What do I want to result from this conversation? What do I want on the other side? You really want to ask that a lot. And then... How do I want the other person to feel at the end of this conversation is critical. So do I want them to feel like crap? Do I want them to feel motivated? Do I want them to feel uh, happy? Do I want them to feel uh, patient or relaxed? Like, what do I want them to feel? What am I trying to get? Because you'll notice sometimes that you're actually, you're pissed and you want to just hurt them. Well, that's not ever going to be a communication ever. So, well, it is a communication. It's just not a healthy or a good one. And whatever the thing is that you're so pissed and hurt about is not going to be heard for sure. Uh, And how do I want to feel at the end of this conversation is the last question I want you to think about. And you don't have to ask yourself all these questions, but at least a couple of them. So how do I want to feel at the end of this conversation is super duper important. And I'll tell you, um, and I, I think I've used this example before probably because it's such a good one. But um, I had a couple in my office. This is a while ago now. But I had a couple in my office and they were arguing. And I was kind of letting them argue a little bit. Sometimes I do that and I like to see how people argue, like how they do that. And then the wife, it was a husband and a wife. And then the wife um, started to get really teary. Like, you know, she, she was trying some different moves she i frankly was being a little, a little manipulative I say with love and it wasn't working and <laughs> she started to get teary and then she said uh you know I really love you and and she was kind of talking about how much she loved him and you know it struck me funny but I didn't really get it in the moment I was like oh, so I don't know I just I didn't notice that I felt it that I felt that it didn't feel right it felt kind of jarring as she was saying, I love you and and he said he stopped and he goes, you know, I hate when she. He looked at me and he goes, I hate when she does this, and you know, says she loves me like that in the middle of our conversation. And she then looked at me and goes, see, he's he's so horrible. I'm just saying how much I love him, and he reacts in this way. And I got it in that moment, thank God. Every now and then I get I get it, and I saw that she was coming from fear. She was anxious and all of her anxiety, all of her worry. She didn't want to lose this guy. You know, She felt she was losing him. Her manipulations weren't working. She was scared and she was in a very fearful place. And the, I love you, wasn't from love. It was from fear. And that's why he was reacting so negatively to it. But to her, while well, I'm saying these words, the words are right. So how dare you? Now you're the bad guy for not you know, going, oh, I love you too, and hugging me. And that that's a great example of someone picking up on your unconscious motivations on what you don't even realize is happening, and reacting to it. And because you're not in touch with yourself, you don't get it. So, and so for her to go deeper, like, what are you feeling right now? And I did have that conversation with her. I, so I explained all this, and then I and I said, and she and she was able to say it. She did a great job actually, and just said. I was anxious. Yes, I am. I get anxious whenever we talk, you know, whenever we argue like this. And and as you might imagine, it's like right out of the textbook, her dad had left her mom. Um, and, you know, she was a, a young girl and she said she didn't have a lot of memories about that actually she she just knew it happened but she in her world she was like five or six when it happened um then he walked out and her older siblings remember a lot but she didn't really remember but she does right she she has that again all these unconscious memories that we hold and actually i'm gonna talk a little bit more about that in a later podcast but anyway so there you go so asking yourself these questions will help you get from from fear to love and then step three, which I love, is uh, act like the person you want to be. That's the other thing you have to do. And earlier, so I mentioned one of my favorite books, Strangers to Ourselves. And th- this is an awesome research-based book. I know it doesn't have the sexiest title and you probably don't want to go read it. But And hopefully I cover enough, you don't have to. But he's... In that in that book, he's clear that if you want to align your conscious and unconscious mind, a great place to start is to deliberately act like the person you want to be. That's the answer. And to do that, you you just need to change your behavior. And he he says it very eloquently. He says act your way into a new way of being. That's that's how he says it, which I which I really really dig. Now, because it's part of something we learn in the 12 steps. I talk about the 12 steps. Most of you, I think at this point, know I'm a recovering drug addict. Um, and so in uh, nar- you know, Narcotics Anonymous and Alcoholics Anonymous, um, uh, we have a couple sayings. There's all these little sayings. There's tons of them. But a couple of them are, one is fake it until you make it. <laughs> and the other one that comes to mind is bring the body and the mind will follow. We say these things a lot to newcomers, people who are new, because nobody wants to be at the meetings pretty much (laughs) in the very beginning. I shouldn't say nobody. A lot of people, most people, I think the majority. I know I didn't. You don't want to go to these meetings. You're tired of them. You don't want to go. They're annoying, whatever. And we say, fake it till you make it. Fake it till you make it. And we say, bring the body and the mind will follow. And that's what's incredible. So when you're trying to stop drinking or drugging, trust me, you know, again, you really don't want to. Your brain is literally hijacked and you're driven by all kinds of physical and mental motivations. And most of which are happening, again, without any conscious awareness. So, and most of them are telling you to continue drugging or drinking. So in the beginning, you're just going through the motions. You're doing the new things, but they feel uncomfortable. They feel fake. You feel like a fraud, an impostor. Trust me, and anyone in recovery out there knows I'm telling the truth. Um, but this is the fake it part. <laughs> you're faking it. And over time, things start to change. And you start to align your conscious and unconscious minds. And this is the make it part. Things start to shift and change, and it's amazing. Like the the again, this kind of conscious and unconscious start to come together. And I'll tell you, just one of my favorite stories is, uh, and you've probably heard it before. I'm sorry. I feel like my mother sometimes. You know how your parents tell those stories over and over, and it's always like the first time. And you're like, I've heard this fifty times. <laughs> so, so you know, bear with me. Okay. So this is many years ago when I when I first got off drugs, but um, I and I was. It, it, I wasn't first when I got off drugs. I was about five years clean at that point. And I was walking through Washington Square Park with uh, one of my best, best friends. And we're walking through the park in New York. And um, this, uh, we got to the other side. And my friend said to me, Wow, that's the first time we've ever walked through there and nobody offered you drugs. (laughs) I said, What? What are you talking about? And she said, I swear, every time we walk through there, and she's a, what we call a normie, somebody who does not have drug and alcohol problem and can drink normally and, you know, whatever, partake normally. And um, I was like, what are you talking about? And she said, no one has ever, not once, not once offered me drugs going through the park. And, and my friend was, is very attractive. So it's not like someone might say, well, you were, they were hitting on you or something. They weren't. Um, and she's right. You know, I'd walk through and, and always somebody would be like, Hey, I got this. I got that. Like just sort of, you know, giving me a look or an eye or little signal that they had drugs. And I didn't really think much of it. And I, again, had been clean for a while at that point, a few years. But when she said that, I was like, what is that about? And that's that unconscious and conscious aligning that even though I was, off drugs for a while, clearly there was still some sort of vibration or energy, this unconsciousness I was putting out. And it's true for the first few years, uh, especially the first couple, There's, it just always feels like it's a possibility that you might use again. It's a scary time. And um, it, it's just so close to when your life was just such a disaster and, and you were when you were on track to die. And so it's hard to really come out of that. But here I was a few years later and something, you know, fake it till you make it. And something had sunk in enough that things really were changing and shifting so that other people could pick up on it too. So uh, there's a great example of just that idea. But anyway, so... Now, there's basically two ways that having new actions and behaviors leads to shifting your unconscious mind so it's more aligned with your conscious. So I want, I want to talk about these basically as two ways. So first, and they're really linked, they're, they're very similar. But when, for, So when you first, when you start behaving differently, your brain gets to unconsciously understand or infer that you're a new person. Your brain now, so it's new information, it's new data to incorporate. So it starts to reconstruct its knowledge of you. I know, it's kind of cool, right? Identity formation is all about your beliefs and your beliefs are just thoughts you've had over and over. So if your actions are different consistently, then your thoughts start to shift. And one of my favorite things is to tell people to say things like, I'm the kind of person that, and that beca- I want that to be your new mantra when you're trying to shift something. So I'm the kind of person who jogs daily. I'm the kind of person that communicates super well. I'm the kind of person who uh, does nice things for my partner. And these create a new self-concept. They create new beliefs, okay? So that's how important that is. And again, as you believe something, right? That's that's really that unconscious and conscious aligning. And second, the more you practice a new behavior, the more automatic it becomes. And again, they're kind of linked, right? So without a doubt, research has shown over and over that changing your behavior often precedes changes in attitudes, thoughts, and feelings, just like the fake it till you make it right. You changing your behavior w- you know, we with drugs and alcohol. I'm not hanging around. Pe- we say people, places, and things. I'm not hanging around where I used to hang out. I'm not doing the things I used to do. Uh, and that behavior change is really what signals all the new things. And this is why when, for, and again, I'll go to drugs and alcohol again, when people stop drinking and drugging, but if that's the only thing they stop and they don't change anything else, they either go back to drinking or drugging, or they're on what we call a dry drunk, meaning that their life hasn't really changed. The only thing that's changed, you know, so the behaviors, who they are, how they act, the only thing that's gone is the drinking or the drugging. And I have to tell you people aren't <laughs> aren't always so nice to be around when that's all they change because you really need sort of an awakening, spiritual or not. You need some sort of aha to come out of this whole thing of, well, why was I using like that? What was going on in my life that I was doing that? And what have, what have I been thinking about myself? What have I been uh believing about myself that I need to shift and change? So, uh definitely a behavior change first will create so many of the good things that you're looking for. So just do it. Just, I don't know, start saving if your partner comes home late and you're home and you cook dinner and you know you hate that they always come home late and they don't tell you what time and blah, blah, blah just start saving dinner for them start and when they walk in the door say hey would you like to eat now and and set a place for them and don't just go oh dinner's in the oven you know which again a first step would be having dinner in the oven but a second step would be to actually take it out And be an inviting, open place for them to be a new behavior. Um, And by the way, right? Wouldn't you rather hang around with somebody who's, you know, I'm going to be more motivated to come home earlier if there's this warm, yummy place to come. If it's cold and yucky, I'm not so motivated. I'm getting good kudos at work. I'm just going to stay there. So I know it feels like a it becomes like a catch twenty two. So it's really important that you get ahead of it. But you start changing the behaviors. If you wanted to start eating differently you wouldn't just you know go oh i'm i'm not going to eat the potato chips in the in the cabinet i'm not going to do this i'm not going to do that you'd have to do something you can't just not do things you have to do things so <laughs> you think all right i'm going to start shopping and buying different things to bring in the house and i'm going to start um every time i think about food or sugar or whatever your thing is, I'm going to be knitting now, or I'm going to be uh, going for a walk, or I'm going to be calling, calling someone, or I'm going to be... Like a new behavior has to go with it. And that's what really creates the change over time. So changing your daily behavior to match what you consciously want is a great way to bring about change in your unconscious mind. I'm going to say it again. So, changing your daily behavior. So, whatever you do each day to, to match what you consciously want. So, you consciously say, I want to, you know, really be a great communicator. I want to eat better. I want to exercise. I want to uh, be calmer. I, I want to be patient, whatever that is. So, changing behaviors that go with that. And that will start to bring about this change in your unconscious mind and align them. And even small changes in your behavior are beneficial. I really want to say this. Again, they can lead, small things can definitely lead to, uh, they lead to these small changes in your self concept and how you think about yourself but and then these small changes in how you think about yourself will make the next change easier right so now i have this oh this little place to kind of move from and that's how it all grows so small change begets small change begets you know and then they they kind of really snowball all right now that you know all this i've got a challenge for you yay i told you in the beginning i'm really excited about this i call it the Align your mind challenge. <laughs> Brilliant. I know. Align your mind. So I want you to download, I have an align your mind challenge quick sheet for this episode where you're going to write down and I have it all kind of laid out for you, but, and you're going to go to abbymetcalf.com forward slash podcast. This is episode 69 upping your communication game. And right there, you're going to download the quick sheet. You are going to get Uh, you're gonna put in your email. It's okay to give me your email. I'm not gonna spam you. I'm not gonna do weird things. Um, and if if you if you're already on my mailing list, then you just put it in again. Don't worry, you're not gonna suddenly get 50 things from me. It's the same. You know, the 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 thing the software I use knows if there's a double. You don't have to worry about it. But and you can unsubscribe at any time. I make it really obvious and easy on all my mailings to unsubscribe if and I don't know why I'd want to, because I, you know, my my weekly newsletter is the bomb, um, <laughs> uh, where I just kind of, and, and that's all you'll pretty much get from me. You get a weekly thing, but I, I'm always very transparent in what it means, but, but so do the challenge no matter what, download this puppy and you can unsubscribe right away. If you're not interested in anything else, it's not a big deal, but I want you to do the challenge. So you're going to download the quick sheet for this episode and you're going to end up writing down your new thought you want to align between your conscious and your unconscious minds. That's what you're doing. So what's this new thing I want? Then you're going to write down one action you're going to take each day. You'll see I have it all laid out. So when you think of the thought you want to have in your unconscious, so if you just want to do this, if you don't want to take the challenge, I don't know why you don't want to, but if <laughs> if you're just like Abby enough, I just want to hear it. Um, so some examples to me would be Uh, a thought you want to have in your conscious is like, oh, 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 our success as a couple is inevitable. That's a good one. Our success as a couple is inevitable. Big change can absolutely happen in a short amount of time. My partner and I are on track to create a relationship beyond my wildest dreams, right? These are good ones. Uh, I'm the kind of person who takes excellent care of my health. Uh, I'm the kind of person who... Uh, is loving and patient with the people I love. You see see where we're going here? This is your thought that you want to drive all your unconscious, you know, you want to align your unconscious with as much as you can. So then you sort of go to, if this was true, what behaviors or actions would you be taking each day? What focus would you have? And for one week, I want to to do or say, I want you to do or say one new thing each day. And that's what's on this little challenge sheet if you download it. And you don't have to turn it in or do anything else with it. It's for you. But So you might do something like text your partner daily with a gratitude or do one random act of kindness daily for your partner or your mother or whoever this is for. Um, You might call every day in the middle of the day to say hello. You might say yes to every single thing that's asked of you. (laughs) Just yes is the first thing out of your mouth. You might set a daily intention for X, Y, or Z, you know, whatever your thing is. You get the idea. So then you're going to set up some accountability to make sure you follow through. And I give you some excellent ideas for that accountability for how to make yourself accountable on the quick sheet, which again, I'm not going to go into right now. They're they're all there. They're all there for the taking. So go download it, start the challenge, and watch your life change for the better in just a week. The challenge is going to be so great for you. Okay, that is it. You got enough information today, right? That is how to up your communication game by starting with your unconscious mind. I'm your host, Dr. Abby Medcalf, and I help people create lasting change in their relationships, even if their partner, boss, sister, brother, aunt, uncle, father, mother, whatever, won't do a thing. Have an amazing week, and we'll be talking soon.
1: Thanks for listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast at www.abbymedcalf.com.